0: Hello everyone and welcome to Thursday. Week is just passing us by at light speed. Welcome to the MSB Initiative. We have a new guest with us today, Lon from Bit Titan, which is the name I'm sure many people recognize. How are you doing today, Lon?
1: I'm good, George. Any better and I'd be retired.
0: <laughs> i hear you man i hear you um so for anyone that doesn't know you or bit titan why don't you go ahead and give uh give people a little bit of background about the company and then why don't you go ahead and give people a little bit like of a professional background on yourself right where did you start how do you get to today being you know the the head of all things sales at bit and you know <laughs> kind of give us a walk memory lane
1: Sure, sure. So uh, for those who don't know BitTitan, we started in uh, 2007. Uh, G-Man Yip, who is our wonderful and fun-loving CEO, uh, started with Microsoft, built some capabilities that Microsoft wasn't willing to build at the time. BitTitan continued to progress, started as a channel company and continued to progress with its partners. So as partners had new needs for automation, primarily revolving around uh, migration, we continued to build that at things from mails, changing and adding sources and destinations, documents, OneDrive, SharePoint, Teams now is, is the big thing, uh, and so on and so forth. And then, you know, as you guys may or may not have seen, there's a new division of BitTitan over the last six months or so called Valier, which takes our automation concept of how we built our migration side and helps create a platform that's usable by partners to utilize the automation theories and concepts behind BitTitan For their needs and what they need to do.
0: Interesting. I did not know that. That's new.
1: Yeah, it is new. Um, Myself, I uh, come from a non technology background. Before I was a soldier and a police officer, uh, not exactly a good field to be in anymore, right? Uh, Moved into distribution, worked at uh, Tech Data in the early days of cloud. I've only ever been in cloud and worked with uh, MSPs. Shifted over to BitTitan, helped build their global uh, distribution business. Uh, I now am responsible for that business Uh, globally. We have 200 plus distributors and I manage a a team of eight.
0: Wow, that's a lot of distributors. What counts as a distributor these days, Lon?
1: (laughs) Believe it or not, we have distribution in New Caledonia, Fiji, you know, know, uh, just about everywhere. I kind of wanted to make sure BitTitan was covered completely across the map. Uh, as well, it relates Fiji, to distribution
0: Fiji sounds nice
1: bro I'll, I signed Fiji so that I had a reason to go when, when they start succeeding with us so we've got a revenue threshold for Fiji and, and uh, we'll have to have an in-person QBR soon
0: for sure for sure so I think uh, Microsoft's having one of their larger kind of online conferences of the year right now called Ignite yeah. Uh, yeah is that still going on or is that over now
1: Ignite is still going on a bit. Um, we have a lot of our our sales team technical side engaged. Ignite's more of a technical conference versus Inspire in the past, which is where, you know, we we typically interact in those kinds of events. So, yeah, Ignite's still going on. You know, people cool. partners any, getting a lot of info from Microsoft.
0: Yeah. Any any worthwhile highlights to bring up this call, or still going on and don't know enough.
1: You know, I still going on and and I don't know enough, you know, there's lots of new capabilities that Microsoft is adding uh, to teams on a regular basis. So, um, you know, more information about that to come, but I don't know the details just yet.
0: No, fair enough. So, you know, if memory serves, right, and this is going back a ways um, and granted, I mean, yeah, things have obviously in technology world go at a crazy <laughs> crazy speed. But I remember back in the day, now this is going back to what? 20, maybe early or late 2000s, right? Microsoft business productivity suite. Remember oh, that BPOS? Yeah.
1: That was that was the when I entered, when BPOS was created was when I started my technology career. Yeah.
0: Got it. So obviously the evolution turned into Office 365 and then now Microsoft 365. So that whole, that was the early goings. Um, You know, and then, you know, let's just take a a look at from an MSP standpoint, how things are going, right? Because you have a unique view. You have a very tight partnership with Microsoft. There are some people out there from an MSP point of view that said that Microsoft never got the MSP space and that all they did was just... Deal with us, not work with us, mm-hmm. and that you know there's a constant channel conflict, maybe between Microsoft selling things directly to the street versus MSPs working in partnership with them. Do, where do you lean on that conversation? I mean, now we're in 2020; things may be different, but historically, that's been the feel, I think, on the street.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, uh, man, I've I've lived that argument and conversation on both sides of the fence. And I think uh, uh, Microsoft needs partners, right? They can't get the delivery and they can't get access to the end users without the partners, right? Um, The core of our business, whether remote or in-person is relationships. So do I feel that Microsoft has sometimes battled the channel in an inappropriate way? Yeah, I, I think they they have. Um, ultimately, I think the partners that have succeeded are the partners who built their business. Yes, the technology is the underlying thing, but they built their business on the services and relationships and value that they have and not relied on Microsoft to generate or provide the value. And the same could be said for Google as well, right? It, 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 it really doesn't matter who the core vendor is. Uh, all of them could be said to be in conflict with the channel to some extent, it matters how the partner absorbs that technology, adds their flavor packaging or coating on it, so to speak, right? Um, You know, good example there would be Starbucks, right? Coffee's coffee, but for some reason you pay for Starbucks coffee, five bucks a pop, right? Um, Same coffee, different packaging, right? Different, different, uh, the the price the price point boggles my mind by the way I still don't get I, it but if, bro I use it in, in business principles on a regular basis man you know you, you anyways it, the same holds true for partners it's it's how an MSP packages themselves Microsoft's the core technology but not the value of what they're selling and building things around it right um, customizing Teams so, integrations things like that
0: I hear you but as time has gone on just taking an exchange mailbox and throwing it in the cloud, which by the way, I've been saying for years, even way before, like I was heavy into BPOS when it came out because I'd never wanted to see another server ever again, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. premise-based. All things being said, there's some benefit to the fact that I don't want to deal with it. And it makes sense to move it somewhere else if that's the case. But Microsoft since that time has really pushed into virtual desktop. They've really pushed mm-hmm. into managed workstation in the cloud. Azure, I mean, is a big word, but there's a lot of things where they're trying to like just totally virtualize the 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 plumbing, if you would, of what these potential customers would use. So, if and then you know, recently, right, they started saying, "Hey, you know, with." M three six five. When you you know sign into a device that's um, Windows ten enabled, you know we're going to start pushing down you know Intune. We're going to start pushing down you know filtering. We're going to start and you know managing the Microsoft firewall and antivirus solution Defender. It it's feeling a lot more MSP ish. Mm. Am I wrong?
1: I I don't think you're wrong. Um, where where. I, I totally get that point that MSPs that, that encroaches on the MSPs. Part of what I would venture to say is that that tune ability and things like that, very few end users, at least in the SMB space and into the mid-market, have the ability to manage that tune piece, right? And what Microsoft, again, I'm putting on a Microsoft hat right now, um, you know, what, what Microsoft is, I feel Microsoft is doing is they're saying, Here's the proper tools for you as a partner to manage this commoditized product in a fast and efficient way, so that you can get on to other things.
0: Mm-hmm. You no, know, I guess it's kind of fair. I mean, it's just it's it's you know how how serious do you think Microsoft is for sub hundred employee organizations? Really, honestly,
1: that, that's a great point. You know what I mean? They they they've played with their ranges a little bit. Um, but they've always stayed away from the s S&P space because it's the economies of scale, right? It's why distribution exists. It's why MSPs are there to provide value at those, uh, those levels, right? Microsoft will get all up in your business for enterprise stuff, right? They'll go all in, right? Most of the time, they'll drag a partner with them, most of the time. Um, but, as it relates to deals under five hundred seats, they tend to stay away right um, a lot of their features, functionalities and capabilities related to MCS or fast track things like that don't even apply to those ranges um, it, okay it, they rely on on partners to to do it
0: fair enough. I mean, I've just been monitoring the the social media feeds of out there and um, Microsoft during, I think over the last 48 hours has formally launched something called lighthouse, mm. uh, which seems to be a consolidated RMM ish style view, if you would, for things like device monitoring and stuff like that. Is is this their shot at RMM or what, what, what is that?
1: You know, I, I've often seen an odd relationship between them and the RMMs of the world, uh, I haven't looked at all the features of Lighthouse, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, you know, man, I hate to sound so pro-Microsoft, <laughs> but uh, it, it could be viewed either way, right? I, I think if Microsoft is providing something like that to partners, an RMM capability, it's gotta be cheaper than what's out there now, right? If not free or part of the partner program um, is part of the potential value. Where Where I think Microsoft has I don't know, overstepped for lack of better term in some cases as it relates to MSPs, is letting the MSPs decide how they go to market and who they go to market with and, and after, right? Um, that's the part where as long as Microsoft is creating or Google or you know any of the core vendors, it as long as they're creating technology that a partner can uh, consume and use to drive value, um, I think they're saying, okay, the minute they take away the ability for a partner to engage that engagement is the stickiness. And I don't think Microsoft can ever replace that. Right. Um, Again, it goes back to relationships. You utilize relationships um, to deliver quality service that generates value. It's not the product that's generating value. It's the service and support that's generating value. Like you said, whether it's cloud or on-prem email is still email. There's no, there's no more groundbreaking things that can be done around that.
0: Okay, fair enough. I, I'm I hear what you're saying. So from you know, the topic of this, uh, the title of this session was cloud. Now, yeah, um, have haven't we always been doing some sort of cloud? Um, what is you know, like back in the early you know mid and late two thousands, cloud was just the evolution of the
1: word hosted. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. So what does yeah. cloud
0: mean to you? What is the definition now? Cloud, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I, you know, and and what I mean by cloud now is that there was always has always been certain segments or verticals of the business from a consumer perspective that have rejected cloud, albeit a, a smaller percentage, mm-hmm. right? But you know, whether it be government or education or or um, mom and pop shops who are like, I can do, it's dead technology now, but I could do some form of an SBS server setup in my, you know, five person company. uh, You know, those guys are half needing to evaluate cloud. They can't put a box under their utility sink in their closet anymore, right? Um, No one, still to this day, I don't think anybody expects a company to be 100% cloud. BitTitan's close, we're probably about 75 to 80% cloud, but we do still have some uh, on-prem servers, but we have more than 50, Uh, products that we pay as you go, right? For consumption, things from Salesforce to security lockers, all kinds of things um, like that. But uh, I think, you know, Gartner's saying that 88% of consumers are being forced, you know, of corporations are being forced to work from home now. That forces virtual desktop, different segments of cloud to be a adopted that may not have been adopted before. I think we could all say email is pretty ubiquitously accepted as a cloud-first tool now, um, but desktops weren't, right? Desktops and some forms of collaboration weren't and all that kind of stuff. But now, you know, my kid's using Teams on a Chromebook to go to school.
0: Yeah, let's talk about that for a second. So, Team sure. Teams, SharePoint, OneDrive, right? These are supposed to be the replacement Tools to a file server with a share, and you know, you know, being able to authenticate stuff, right? Um, yeah. You know, how realistic? What is the size? How realistic is it for somebody to really exist in that way, right? Is what is the magic number where things start to break down?
1: You know, I, I don't know if there's a magic number to break down, but the new thing related to Teams that we're seeing partners getting more engaged with is very, but and far more widely accepted. Um, is honestly rebuilding the old SharePoint concept, right? And what I mean by that is SharePoint and CRM were very niche partner types that could do it, right? Um, because it, there was a lot of sprawl when you went into SharePoint, and it could go as complex as full on website hosting and as simple as a file share and, and using OneDrive, right? Mm-hmm. Um, teams, I think, brings a lot of that in together and where the partners can interact better and drive success with Teams is controlling sprawl, right? We're seeing you know, sometimes two to one teams versus employees. That's kind of silly, right? You don't need 200 teams for 100 employees. It's so, okay. again, where the value comes in is, and Microsoft can't provide that, is the partner coming in, helping draw an outline and, and a template for how an end user should use Teams you know, segmentation, how do they create teams? What should these teams include? Which employees should be members and how to properly set up teams? And there's not much licensing costs or any excess licensing costs of that it's all in service and value drive of the partner. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where the future of all those things condensing down a little bit are is, is in the team space and partners and customers better utilizing that. So they're controlling costs, but far more of their employees are utilizing the cloud beyond email
0: okay so let me ask this question then um because of how diverse microsoft's reach is right you said you have 200 plus distributors i mean people are selling 365 out underneath the starbucks cup yeah for sure for lack of a term so you know i'm not trying to get into a sales thing but in all reality right yeah if I walk into a prospect who is already paying Microsoft directly and for three six five or if I walk into a prospect who's looking this way change service providers or if i look in I walk into a prospect who has goDaddy yeah, yeah. and somehow GoDaddy sold them three six five it 's not as simple as a couple of button clicks to just all of a sudden manage take over or or handle what's already there. Right. It's Mm. way more complicated sometimes, especially if there's these special variants of three, six, five, like GoDaddy, for example, right. It's not the full three, six, five. It's like their special baked thing. So like when you, when you, when you walk into those scenarios, how do you successfully, you know, like every, at this point, a lot of the MSPs out there have a relationship with attribution entity. You know, we all love our friend, Ken Patterson from PAX eight, by the way, I can't, you're on here. Um, everybody has their, their, their CAE, you know, CSP, you know, with this D relationship, or if they're large enough, they're CSP one and they're, they're working direct with Microsoft. But like, you're trying to, 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 um, as you can cookie cutter things, right. So that you can get them into a bubble, how, you know, but it's not that simple. Right. So how, what, what's your, what's your view of this? Right. There's you no know, Microsoft's kind of not made it easy to just go in and move it over.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah. So so my, this is just my view. This isn't a BitTitan view, right? Is that it's become so commoditized, especially in the O365 space as it relates to email. As a partner, is the value or profitability even in the recurring margin of that product, or is it in the recurring service and support that you're providing that partner around those core products? So I would venture to... <clears throat> whenever I talk to partners about this and we get into this deeper business conversation, I say, does not even matter if you have control from a licensing perspective of the O365? The question is, can you lock them into a three-year service and support contract revolving around that core product? And in my, in my vision, I think it gives the partner more validity that they don't care about that because they're saying, coming in and saying, I want to do the right thing for you. The right thing, I think you picked the right technology. Let me help you manage and better utilize what you have, right? And and as you go over time, if you need to adjust things, if you need to switch, as you figure out, I don't know if you guys have noticed behind the scenes, that switch or transition from one carrier or provider to another is becoming a lot more seamless on the back end, right? The only thing that requires a hard migration nowadays is, when you're merging two companies or divesting a couple companies. Um, but if it's changing responsibility behind the scenes, the GoDaddy one may be the only, the last of the, the old school model, but a physical migration isn't required in most of those cases. Own the services. That's where you make all your money. Get an admin access account to their O365. And it really doesn't matter where it's managed or where it's hosted. I should say. So, you know, big picture, though,
0: isn't the idea to streamline, you know, like an MSP wants to go in and sell their whole bundle of things, right? So, if you're saying, hey, don't worry about where it is, just go in and say you'll manage it, at what point is, like, you're going to have to start making changes, right? You're going to have to start administering mm. these accounts. There is no such multi-tenancy yet, right? Yeah, Maybe yeah. that's enough. Near us. We'll see. So, you know, what, what do you tell the MSP that has 100 accounts and each one of these guys are in a bubble, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of my point from a technology management perspective. As long as you have admin access as the MSP provider, the technology essentially interacts the same. Yes, you're logging into different instances and it's not as easy to manage under one bubble. But, you know, over time, built into your process, I guess what I'm saying is, I would never charge an end user to handle that switch. I would build it into my recurring costs. And as things come into play, where it's necessary to move under your umbrella, right? Whether it be the PAX 8 umbrella for ease of management of all your clients or whatever, and you're tired of managing individual admin access, um, as it becomes necessary, you, you make the switch, right? Um, that's the way I would handle it personally. Um, and do it when the time's right. I guess what I'm saying is this is more of a sales and enablement motion than a technology motion. And all I mean by that is get in, establish a relationship, lock in high quality service that deliver value. And the things you need to move around from an operational perspective on the back end will happen over time and the end user won't be affected by it. I don't think it needs to be step number one. It could be step number 10 that is eight months down the road. Okay, so the,
0: hot, so the hot things right now, right, are cloud now, right? So you're yep. saying Microsoft 365, maybe not even the lower tiers, right, going up. You're saying OneDrive, SharePoint, Teams, um, and some flavoring of Azure, right? That's, that's, Ish, the, yeah, that's I, cloud now.
1: Yeah, whether, whether it's Active Directory, you know, uh, ADFS, you know, Active Directory in Azure is, is uh, a good option. I'm not even saying you need to fully lock in with Azure. Um, What I mean by cloud now is these end users have to move now, right? And there's a lot of end users who don't know this technology and don't have the time to Google it themselves, right? All of us have purchased a car, especially in the modern times where we go in and we research, I want a Suburban, this is how much it costs, this is how hard they are to get, this is the price I should pay. And then you walk into a dealer and say, I want a Suburban, I'm willing to pay X and you're done, right? End users don't have the time for all this research. And there's a couple of things that are triggering this. One is because of COVID, a lot of end users who were not prepared to work from home are being forced to work from home. So whether it is the idea of getting Chromebooks, virtual desktops, whatever they're doing, there's three or four technologies that they they, um, have to move now and they don't have the time to do the research. Therefore, they need to find an experienced MSP that they can trust to establish their new cloud principle, right? That's, that's really what I mean by um, cloud now. And then from a partner perspective, it's the idea of not having to move everything at once. It is, if they're not in the cloud with email, get the email up and running, get that going. Collaboration is now the new second, right? Whether it's Teams, Zoom, whatever it is, Collaboration is the new second, so you have to get that going. But it's to move things in stages based on importance. And then it's to switch from a model of, of, instead of doing risk remediation, do risk aversion with these new new customers to the cloud, which means I take your time on the assessment up front, however you do your assessments, take your time on the assessments up front, identify the roadblocks and objections, and handle those roadblocks and objections related to um To whatever it is that the project that you 're moving for them to the cloud ahead of time, and that remediation up front or sorry that aversion up front will prevent any downtime on the back end Remediation almost always it ends up in downtime for an end user because you have to shut something off in order to fix it and move it so. That's really what I mean by cloud now. Not that anybody has to go 100%, it's that new people who have never been to the cloud need to go, and then the, this is the biggest year that Microsoft has had in a very long time of products reaching into support. And obviously, go figure, I'm sure it was planned. All of them relate to the new M365, right? Windows Server uh, is going away. Exchange Server 2010 is going away office is not being you know office 2010 is not being uh is reaching into support so there's all these massive versions that were microsoft's biggest versions uh to date are reaching into support and these customers are not only are they are happy to go to the cloud they can't do it with the technology they have
0: okay so when you go into these customers and you tell them hey listen you got through part one of COVID, right? Who knows if there's a second wave, whatever, but it could happen. And we, we somehow shoestring through it, right? Duct tape, band-aid, bubble gum, whatever you want to call it. And you go to these guys and you're like, listen, it's time to rip all this stuff out. We need to start moving to the cloud. It comes at a cost. What's your value proposition? I mean, they're going to say, hey, we figured it out the first time. Why do we need to make a make a change now? What What's your what's your response to that?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. and And- Part of the, the value prop of moving to the cloud is the idea of always being able to be current is one. The other is, especially in America, and that's really where we're talking about, the same story doesn't hold true in other places. Um, but the idea in America that we pay as you go for everything from now your cell phone is not paid for upfront, it's paid for on a monthly basis. We're now in a society where we're comfortable paying for even products over time. Um, So the value prop is, you know, the risk is a lot, is a lot lower, you know, you don't have to worry about amortizing the value of products, you know, on your taxes all the time, you're not buying equipment you don't need. And when you don't need it, you stop paying for it. Right. So that's the value from a cloud perspective. The value from a partner perspective is the knowledge you already have. Right. We spoke a little bit about, you know, end users don't have the time or the ability to do research. So you come in as, as you know, george's msp and you say i got you don't worry about it here's what everything is you don't have to buy anything up front i'm going to charge you 150 dollars per user per month and you'll be running you know the, the individual technology and stuff like that is not as important as you okay so
0: that not everything that they have today may actually fit in this right. new cloud model too. Right. Right. That's right. part of the challenge, right? Like it is. some people like, and, and I get, there's different, ways to get there, right? there's no one road. Okay. But I think the part of the challenge and why everybody's so discombobulated of sorts is one, how do I know if everything I have now is going to work on the other right? two, how do I figure out the price? Yeah. Some of this stuff is consumption based and nobody wants to have the bill shot, right? They'll be able to quote a rate to their customer rather than telling them, hey, it's like the cell phone bill of yesteryear where if you went over your minutes, you got to get overage.
1: Yeah, that man, that's a great point. And, and typically when we're doing these business conversations with partners, we talk about creating three offers, right? A good, better and best offer. Um, and each one requires... More or less time from the MSP to be involved, right? And it allows the customer to control, generally, their cost. How, what percentage you mark up each one is, is really up to you. But the most successful partners who are MSPs at scale do this kind of model. Three different types of engagement models. There is a certain number of hours factored into the good, better, and best model. There, you can't get away from hours to cover for, you know breakage or different things that, that uh, may happen. Eventually, you'll get to a point to know on average how many hours you're going to have to work on a given project. But I'm just talking about um, partners who are moving into this model. Eventually, you'll get good enough that you'll be able to say, I know I'm going to spend 10 hours per month on customers that look like this. Therefore, I'm going to factor that into the better model. And that's the way it's going to be. The good model is very low level. I'm going to provide you reporting. I'm going to keep your stuff on. And if you go over, you're going to pay me $150 an hour if you go outside of this scope of work. Um, Better is some of those hours are included, and I'm going to do a little bit more preventative and proactive management for you. And best is hands off, Mr. End Customer. Things aren't going to go wrong, and if they do, I got you right away, unlimited hours.
0: Okay, so... How do you, like if you're going into one of these projects, right? Mm. I'm going from on-prem into the cloud. How do you determine what the project is, right? I mean, uh, short of going to a partner and having them help you, fair. That's an option. How do you estimate, especially for people who haven't done it regularly, mm. how do you figure out, is this a 10-hour project, 15, 20? Like, there's the ongoing stuff afterwards, I like, get. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. like, how do you figure out that initial hit?
1: Yeah. So, so uh, in our world, you really have to divide it by workloads, right? So if you're talking about the core product of M365, right, it is, are they just moving mail? Are they moving to teams? You know, and you have to look at each one of those workloads. Each one of those workloads is in essence, its own project, right? Um, We can certainly help you calculate from a Email perspective, it's really easy. Each one of those workloads within Microsoft is relatively easy to identify how long it takes, right? The act of actually migrating takes, give or take 15 to 20 minutes uh, per user to migrate. How many users do they have? So on and so forth. So I I could help you, you know, it's relatively easy to figure it out from a a workload perspective. Um, There are math equations that could be done. The other big thing, George, and this is why I was saying the assessment, the concept of assessment, whether you use a product or you have questionnaires or however you do it, assessments is crucial in identifying your cost to build, launch, or support that project uh, going in, right? So um, it's really important to do the assessment correctly. Um, You know, PAX 8 has some cool stuff around dark web scans, we have some assessment capabilities.
0: I was just going to say, like, what does that mean? Are there, where's the go to for how to do this, right? If I just go Google Microsoft how to, I'm going to be
1: deep (laughs) in the weeds. Deep in the weeds. Yeah. So as it relates to O365, we have some completely free capabilities. We don't charge for it um, called health check for office 365. That allows you to run from our system in your end user and to identify do all these systems meet the system requirements for O365, right? Um, Whether it's deploying in a home desktop or whatever, it's checking OS, internet speed, all of those kinds of things, version of Office, helps you identify whether or not um, you need to upsell your end customer. Maybe you have 10 users that have a dead or dying version of Office. Um, So we have that that capability uh, for sure. Um, And then the same exists in other realms of of Microsoft and Google for that matter to identify uh, end user compatibility to a given software.
0: Fair enough. I mean, as much as that can help, right? I mean, everybody's situation is gonna be different. Yeah. What happens when you gotta make a jump, like a real big jump between people who haven't upgraded for like Office 2010 (laughs)
1: Yeah. You know. Know, till now,
0: right? I mean, yeah. is there? Do you have to get stages to get to the end result, or can you make that jump in one shot?
1: Man, I I don't mean to sound like a pitch, George, but you just set me up for that. Uh, the in the Microsoft world, you do have to make jumps, right? You have to make jumps from old versions to newer versions before you can make the hop to O three sixty five in our world. And honestly, that's why Microsoft is still one of the biggest. Purchases, purchasers of BitTitan is that we don't have to do version hopping and we don't have to uh, consolidate server farms, exchange farms. So um, that is a benefit of, of using a BitTitan versus uh, free tools or, or hybrid. There is no version hopping for us. Okay.
0: So the question is, if you have the right, right tools, you can get there. But if not, you have to jump. You're going to yep. have to go like this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay
0: which is gonna take a ton of time, right? I mean, there's
1: no... For sure, I mean, depending on the number of users, yeah, it does take time and, and you know, while there, there is a cost to using any tool, whether it's us or anyone else or any other vertical or, or product set, um, it does take time to, uh, there is a cost to tools. Usually those tools, no matter what it is, their job is to automate what a partner is doing, um, reduces your cost of savings, or cost of time, which drives your cost of delivery down pretty substantially. In our world, it's somewhere between five and 10 X is, is how much time uh, we can save you. So if if we're saving you five to 10 times the, five to 10 times the amount of, of delivery time, you know, you're able to do one of two things, either drive up the profitability of that individual project, or allow yourself to compete at scale with larger guys, you know, the CDWs of the world or whatever, um, allow you to compete at those bigger scale projects. So, and, and get more projects uh, is really our goal of, of what we're trying to do with, with and for partners. Okay, so your
0: pitch-ish, if you what is, if you're gonna go into this, have the, have the, have the calculators and the assessment tools then there is a cost to actually Im- implement, right? There's a cost yeah. to make those tools run after you've done the initial homework. And that cost, you can either, A, catch in some sort of project, one time B, or you can bake into the larger agreement after the fact. Do you know how many people go left versus right? Is there a, yeah, a standard man. or is it, everyone's so different?
1: There, there's really kind of classes of MSPs, right? There's MSPs... And I'm going to go ahead and say my definition of an MSP is a partner who provides ongoing managed services. I know that sounds very common sense, but very few partners actually do that, right, um, or, compared to the larger ecosystem that, that is out there. Um, so I would say that partners need to uh, provide, use those tools, reduce their costs, deliver the services up front, um, and, and provide uh, the long-term value to, to drive that. You know, it, so,
0: it's, so is there a difference like did, is
1: there a difference in the tool set that you use
0: to do the initial implementation migration deployment versus the ongoing monitoring adjustments tweaks?
1: It is, it is. Uh, you know, we build ourselves to be in and out. There are other tools that provide long-term management. We specifically help with the automation of, of the migration up front. Um, sorry, back to the original question too, the partners who, there's a couple of different types of partners. There's those who charge project-based for migration upfront and say, Mm -hmm. it's going to cost you $10,000 to migrate and I'm going to charge you $50 a month to manage you ongoing, right? Um, There's a very small subset, but it also is the most successful MSPs with a high valuation are the ones who say, I'm not charging you upfront. But instead of $50 a month, I'm going to charge you $75 a month and you're locked into a three-year contract, right? It's the idea of building the project costs into long-term valuation uh, to to the end customer and then locking them into a multi-year contract. Small percentage, but high profitability on the the right side, the the side that does no upfront costs, but extended overtime costs. Um, The vast majority live on the left, which is I'm going to charge you for the migration up front because it's a singular activity. It happens once I do it. And then I'm doing many other things for you uh, afterwards. So most partners are on the left. Handful of partners are on the right. um, And we see profitability on on both sides. Neither one is wrong. Okay.
0: And then when it comes to, and maybe this is just your, you know, your view, right? Cause you're in Microsoft land, like way more than most of the people watching this is that Microsoft in their very, 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 very long terms of service say, Hey, nothing's really backed up. Um, you need to have a strategy for that. <laughs> right. I mean,
1: yeah, even more or less, own-
0: that's what it says.
1: Even in their own, language for, for, as it relates to backup and, and legal holds and all that kind of stuff, they tell you smart money is you need a third party backup. They even say it in their, in their verbiage, right, um, related to uh, how things are, are backed up. It, it's kind of having the, the chicken and the egg in the hen house, right? Uh, it, yes, there is geo redundancy in the Microsoft world, but your email and your backup is in the same place, right? Um, a lot of legal requirements of uh, FINRA and you name the alphabet soup of, of uh, mm-hmm. compliance requires that your backup is something else, somewhere else. And that holds true even in the cloud world. It needs to be in a different set of data centers than your core data is in a lot of cases for those um, compliance requirements. So backup is a huge part of what you as a partner should be doing uh, on a recover, you know, on a recurring services basis, maintaining of that, does that data. Apply, and-
0: does that apply? for everything? Is that Teams, OneDrive, Azure, VMs, uh, email, right? It, it's yeah. everything.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all in one house basically for for Microsoft. Yes, it's in Azure, and yes, there's a bunch of data centers, and yes, there's geo redundancy, but it's all the same network. Okay. So, um,
0: so, as part of the calculators and the, you know, the tools to do this assessment, is that backup stuff taken into account in the beginning, or is this something you have to figure out in addition to?
1: No, I think it's something you have to figure out in addition to because you have to get all the way behind the curtain just to determine what needs to be my uh, what needs to be backed up. Right. The the types of ongoing services that MSPs can do around technology, not just relationship. Is you know security management SSO is going to be really important in this work from home world. SSO is a concept that not a lot of people know as an end user, right? BitTitan manages it for me, and I'll be damned, George, if something breaks on my SSO. I am completely and utterly lost when all of a sudden I can't log into this other thing. So that management of SSO for The layman end user that's not involved in technology is is a recurring service MSPs should do. Backup is another thing. Virtual desktop is is another thing. Um, Voice, you know, managing voice is is an important thing that an end user doesn't understand the complexity. SIP trunking and all those other crazy terms. um, Voice, uh, you know, I could probably think of a couple couple others, that security and patch management. So not just the SSO side, but making sure that a desktop is up all the time and running. Windows Defender, while it it is an automated capability, the management running of it and regular backup of it, you know, and and deciding which patches make it through and which ones don't, um, is not necessarily a layman's product. I can't tell you guys how many times I've jacked up my desktop because I let things fly that I shouldn't have, right? Um, So those are all things that I think become a part of the normal service portfolio. And if you think about those four or five things that I named, the skill is not in what those five things do. Yes, you as a partner needs to choose the right, one of each one of those five things it's in the packaging right it's the starbucks concept it's how you deliver it a restaurant could have the world's best meal but if service is bad you're not going back to that restaurant right if if they mess up your order deliver the wrong thing don't bring your drink automatically those kinds of things that's what provides a three star service for a restaurant the same holds true in technology it's the bundling of how you as a partner bring those things together
0: so for the guy, you said, you said there's like five different flavorings of MSP, right? Cause everybody's yeah. using the same names for the guys who are in the reoccurring, right? They're not in just the project business. If they're doing projects, it's because there's a long-term relationship. Yeah, exactly. and not, not not for nothing. Right. Specifically for those guys, what would the stack look like out? Yeah. Know, like, would you say, Hey, all on Microsoft E five, Everything Azure. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to charge uh, $200 a user. Like, what? You know, like, what is? Is that realistic?
1: No. <laughs> like, what's? What does it look? I don't think so. You know, I, I'm going to say something very dangerous. BitTitan, while we appear to be a Microsoft shop, we we work in Google too, right? Um, Google is is uh, one thing we do. There are certain attributes and things that. Um, are more ubiquitous. I think it is, take a look at who your end user is. um, Where do they live? Uh, Google is very consumer friendly, right? There, there's, you know, it it all works from a browser. There, there doesn't even need to be different technology sets. So in some cases, Google may be the answer as the base of collaboration. Um, I know that sounds like blasphemy, right? But, You know, you really have to evaluate your end user because it's about the end user, not you as the partner. And you could be a partner that plays in both when it's necessary. The most successful MSPs are the ones who listen to their customers and provide what their customers need. And you can't do that being a single ecosystem uh, MSP. So um, some of that is going to be Google at the core from a collaboration perspective. Some of that is going to be Microsoft. There's value to to both from an Azure perspective, I'll tell you, I personally feel that Azure for the most part is a buzzword, right? It's, it's a naked concept, right? What is sexy about Azure is something that was built on it, right? Whether it's Veeam or Datto backing up where Azure is the backend, again, it goes back to the wrapper and how things were built on top of it. Um, BitTitan doesn't own its own data center. We play in GCP, we build off a of GCP, and Azure, um, but the idea of Azure as a naked server isn't necessarily good. That may be something that you as a partner creates. It's your flavor of v- VDI on Azure. You know, um, Amazon has has a really solid VDI capability. It's Microsoft licensing, but but on AWS, right? Amazon's one of the world's biggest consumers of, of Microsoft licensing. So.
0: Yeah, that's
1: true. You know, you know, so, anyways, so, it's those so, kinds of things.
0: So so Ken Patterson hides in. He's like, Microsoft equals security. Google equals, and he left it blank. That,
1: right? <laughs> no, uh, man. Damn, Ken. Way to put me on the spot there. Uh, g- Google um, Google equals simplicity. Let's put it that way, right? It is not going to, and, and that's kind of where I was going with it. It is not going to be, Every customer that needs that, right? But if you've got a three-person retail shop, adding that security into it is going to be the partner's responsibility. And I, and I absolutely agree with Ken that Microsoft is the more secure of the of the solutions by far, light years beyond.
0: Uh oh, uh oh, he came back and said, "Simplicity for hackers." Dude. Yeah, yeah,
1: that, oh, Ken, I I agree with all that, right? But but if you've got uh, an end user with a global business that is a small company that is trying to reach as many consumers as possible, you know, Google Meets works well. I get that it's not the most secure. um, And that's where the evaluation and assessment comes into play uh, in a lot of cases. There are ways to secure um, the Google side of things. It is not simple. Um, I get all of that, but my my concept isn't that it has to be google either right if if google is not the right solution my all i'm saying is a multi cloud approach is the right answer it doesn't have to be google okay it, it could be all right. a, aws i'll back off for for our boy ken and and uh back off of a pro google story there but the it, it is a multi cloud first solution right it is okay. Evaluate for the end user. What are they capable of? You could simplify the Google solution. I'm sorry, the Microsoft solution in a Chromebook type environment on behalf of your end user. It, it all goes back to the packaging.
0: So, so Brent, our favorite, uh, our favorite uh, MSP initiative, uh, chatter in or says, um, he, that was a great analogy for, uh, a great analogy for Azure is it's like an erector set or Legos, right? It's it, not a yeah. key, right? Yeah, it's not. And, and he comes in and says, but what about what your employee knows to use? Uh, it is what your employee knows how to use from home kind of thing. Right. So what they're, they're used to, um, But I think there's a little bit of training and and education involved there, right? I think that's part of the- Man, uh, and you hit
1: it. George, that that is not only one of the challenges, but that education, that ongoing education and enablement is part of the long-term revenue slash value add opportunity for the MSP. It doesn't always have to be break, fix, or keeping things running. It's, It's about efficiency, right? It's about the proper MSP. Long gone are the concepts of those, uh, man, I don't even remember what their names were, but the, the, there was a uh, a division of, of VARs that sold the education services. It's a one-stop shop now, right? It, it should be part of your package that you're offering as a successful MSP, not just to institute the right technology. And where I agree with you as partners, it's very hard to be a jack of all trades. So you as a partner should identify... What are your options? You always have to have multiple options, but you also need to have backup uh, as part of your plan is education on the technology that you're selling, no matter what it is. It's the enablement piece because the valuable partner, no matter who you're selling as the core vendor, is the one who drives usage and consumption. It is long gone are the days in the cloud world of just selling some shit and hoping that people use it. You have to get people use, you know, Usage is what counts, right? Um, So in order to drive that usage up, Microsoft is gonna value you as a partner better if you are a full service partner, right? If you are driving the usage of all five or six things within M365, um, that's when you become valuable. And that's when you become valuable to, to multiple vendors is where you're driving that average revenue per user up and they're leveraging be when responsible and they're leveraging BitTitan and they're leveraging all of these things and knowing when those pieces snap in and we'll just keep down that Erector and, and Lego set, right? It's having that Legos mean nothing to most people without that guideline or that blueprint, right? Without that instructable, I think they call it, right? You are the instructable as a partner, right? You're the guy telling them how to snap these things together to make it what they want. Not fair. So Brent pops in and says he
0: was, he was really referencing Google products. Then he goes into the, you know, Google's kind of gotten into kind of like Apple did, right. They got into education at the really early, you know, early education levels, right. Grade school, middle school, high school. And they kind of indoctrinated these people because, you know, all these schools were giving them kind of free, free products, right. Underneath of the schools, you know, kind of offering, um, there's some truth to that, right? I mean, that they're just used to it, right? So they expect it once they get into the workforce. For sure. Um, last thing I want to touch on then is, you know, we talked about backup. We talked about cloud now. We talked about having your game plan. We talked about, you know, what happens after, you know, the, you know after you get it going, right? I guess, you know, and, and touching on Ken's thing, security now has become, like I've heard of people's Office 365 accounts being entirely jacked. I don't know how often it happens, but it, I've heard it happening, you know, where like all the data is basically cooked. Right. And they have to try and restore. Um, yeah. You know, have you heard of that? And, and when it comes to security, you know, what's the recommendation now?
1: I, I have not heard of that before. Um, and I play, I have played in this game for a really long time. Um, but with that being said, let me throw in my protective caveat. I'm on the migration side. Right. So I, typically don't see an end-user long-term. I know that we migrate securely, I know they land securely in O365 and I know that they there are protection options on the back end, right? There's things like uh, legal holds that prevent things from being deleted. Um, There's, you know, uh, different types of encryption that you can add to it. I haven't personally seen that from a product perspective, but If a partner is worried about that or an end user is worried about that, again, that's part of the value add that can be added to this, right? Um, as a partner to protect that. I know that we migrate in a HIPAA, uh, HIPAA compliant way, we'll sign the BAA agreement. I know that there's a lot to be said for Microsoft's security upfront. For somebody to sign that BAA agreement, so if we will as the migration vendor and Microsoft will as a technology vendor, they're pretty darn confident in their security level, right? That things are being uh, encrypted in transit, all that kind of good stuff. That can't be said about a lot of vendors nowadays. Um, but if there is extra layers of, of security needed, that can be done, right? Encrypted pipes and all kinds of ways that, that uh, can be added to that. So let's then ask you, like,
0: on, you know, like, what are the top five things that could go wrong when things are being migrated then?
1: Well, uh, one is data sprawl, right? That that does exist in in the cloud world, um, where you get that lifetime CEO who never deleted an email, and now ten years later they're moving to the cloud. <laughs> yeah, right. And and you have a a three terabyte single mailbox that has lived as long as the CEO has been in business, right? Uh, that can cause some issues. Um, Public folders tend to get very complex. Public folders as a technology has come and gone and come again uh, in multiple ways. And and in a a lot of ways, public folders is better served in a Teams type of environment uh, than the concept of public folders. So public folders uh, causes a lot of issues. Uh, And then um, whether it's mergers and acquisitions, but if you've got a tenant to tenant migration, and for some reason, someone with the same name exists on both sides. That causes everybody's world to break. So, <laughs> making sure that the the same name doesn't exist in both places uh, can cause some pretty substantial uh, issues, especially in a merger kind of situation.
0: So, appreciate you coming from on today. I mean, we really actually went a lot of different ways yeah, right? through the, the universe. Um, how do people find you, your company, these resources that you say exist to help them figure out things like calculating things and assessing things and reviewing things before they get deep into the deep end?
1: Yeah, so I personally care about distribution. Uh, so whether it's Pax8 or any of the other guys, um, reach out to your sales team via distribution. Um, if all else fails, sales at BitTitan uh is the best way to get a hold of the general team. And if you want to talk to me personally, I love to speak to partners and learn more about their business. It's uh Lon c at Uh and I'd I'd love to learn more and, and gain some knowledge from from you guys. Awesome.
0: Lon, I really appreciate it. I hope
1: we see you soon. You know, hopefully you know
0: that's all get back on the road sooner Rather than later, uh, every for everyone else, this session was absolutely recorded and will be available on MSP Initiative very shortly. Uh, MSPInitiative.com on our you know landing page, YouTube, etc. Um, you know, keep keep coming on board. Tuesdays, Thursdays, one o'clock Eastern time, and we're going to have line back hopefully in the near future where we try and pull some panels together where we talk about things like the cloud. And maybe get some interesting views, right? Maybe Ken Patterson likes Microsoft and Lon will be the Google guy next time. Oh, man,
1: yeah. (laughs) All
0: right. (laughs) Thanks, guys. (laughs) You got it. Have a good one, everyone.